stand for the reading of the word of the Lord to the book of Psalm, the 100th chapter and the fourth verse. Psalm 100 and verse 4. And we will go to 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 8. Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Now, let me just tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean every time you come to church, you got a turkey under one arm and sweet potato casserole in the other. It doesn't mean, hey, every time you come into church, you got to bring a ham and mashed potatoes pumpkin pie he said well pastor that's pretty silly well I'm just making sure you're awake tonight enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name why don't we do that right now why don't we just bless him Why don't we lift our voices and thank Him? God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your church. We thank You for this opportunity to be together. We thank You for our health. God, we thank You for Your provision. We thank You for every need that You have supplied. God, You are great and You are mighty. You are worthy. You are holy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We give you thanks, God. First Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 8 says, Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Verse 34, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Verse 35, and say ye save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us together, and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name, and glory in thy praise going to preach for just a few moments tonight. Oh, give thanks. Oh, give thanks. In Jesus' name, you can be seated tonight. We find in our opening text in 1 Chronicles that David has prepared a place for the Ark of the Covenant. In fact, he has organized a group to carry the Ark of the Covenant from the home of Obed-Edom, where it had rested part of the way back from their retrieval of the Ark from the Philistine nation. And David and his uh, religious counselors searched through the scripture to discover what needed to happen in order for them to transport the ark in a safe manner after Uzzah had passed away when he touched the ark, or rather he was struck dead when he touched the ark. And so David has now organized the proper mode of transportation. He has found four Levites to bear the ark on their shoulders with the staves and and they were meant to carry it. Let me just tell you that you and I were designed by God to be the bearers of his glory. He did not design his glory to ride upon an ox cart, but he designed you and I to be the bearers of his glory. 
And so David gathers together the, 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 the party, the group, uh, the organized individuals who are going to help him get the Ark of the Covenant back to the city of Jerusalem. Prior to his going to retrieve the Ark, he spends time preparing a place for the Ark of the Covenant to rest. You would say, well, Pastor, why didn't he just put the Ark of the Covenant back in the tabernacle of Moses? Well, I'm glad you asked. The tabernacle of Moses was a place where the Ark had resided up until uh, it was carried away by the foolishness of Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And it was up until that point where the average citizen could not enter in to see the ark. The only time they would get a glimpse of the ark of the covenant uh, that held uh, uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the tables with the, the, the Ten Commandments carved on them and Aaron's rod that budded in the pot of Amana. Uh, the only time they saw the ark of the covenant with its mercy seat and the angels carved uh, the cherubs carved on the on the top of the mercy seat was when the tabernacle had been moving, and uh, it was not approachable by anyone except the high priest, and that was a limited uh, exposure. And so David seems to understand that God's ultimate plan, his ultimate plan was not to have the presence of God isolated for just a select few. In fact, it is as if David understands what we now understand and what we believe and what we teach and what we preach is that the entire nation of Israel was really called to be a kingdom of kings and priests. Like the church of the living God is designed to be a kingdom of kings and priests. They were all intended to carry that role of worshiper. They were all intended to bear the glory of the Lord. And so instead of David carrying the Ark of the Covenant back into the tabernacle of Moses, where it would again be uh, locked away in essence, and only some would be able to experience that. David seems to have gotten an understanding that the Ark of the Covenant has been in the house of Obed-Edom now, and Obed-Edom's house has been blessed. And Obed-Edom is, uh, is not even an Israelite, but he's a convert. Uh, he's converted from the heathen nation. And he made room in his heart. And he made room in his home for the glory of God to reside. And if God will bless the house of Obed-Edom, then I want to create a place where individuals of every nationality, of every tribe, and every tongue can come before the presence of the Almighty God. So the tabernacle of Moses had been uh, it had been characterized by solemnity. It was it was a relatively quiet place. The, the worship was quiet. Uh, there there was no music. There was no singing. Uh, you would bring your sacrifice, and and that was the noisiest portion of the worship. Was the sound of the sacrifice dying and that was God's plan for that moment in that season and so now David has created a place that we call the tabernacle of David that that sheds light into the New Testament of what's coming when when God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh anyone who desires to be filled with the Holy Ghost can have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so David prepares the place for the Ark of the Covenant and he carries it into the city of Jerusalem to the place that he has prepared for the glory of God to reside. And he places it in what we now call the Tabernacle of David. And we read in more detail what David does when the Ark is set in place. It was from the house of Obed-Edom uh, to the city of Jerusalem that every six paces 
every uh, approximately 18 feet they would stop and they would build an altar and they would sacrifice and they would worship and so uh, they would march another six paces or perhaps they would just dance another six paces because out in the street was the sound not of solemnity but the sound of celebration it was not the sound of quiet church mice who were sitting back and silently observing but it was the sound of a people who watched their earthly king take off his earthly crown and derobe himself of his kingly garments and say there's no room on this road and there's no room in this kingdom for more than one king so I will humble myself before the presence of the almighty and I will dance before him I will shout before him I will give him thanks today and so David led his nation David led the people of God and they danced and they sang and they worshipped all the way from Obed-Edom's house to the city of Jerusalem to Mount Zion. The tabernacle of Moses was signified by Mount Sinai. And later on, the apostle would write to say to the church, you have not come to a mount that cannot be touched. He was signifying that, that the, the, the law of Moses had a time and it had a place, but it also had restrictions. That you could only come so far. But he said you have come to Mount Zion. The city of the living God. And the city of the living God. The city of Jerusalem. Mount Zion was not signified by solemnity. It was not signified or characterized by quietness and stillness. But David said, we're going to organize music around the clock. We're going to organize musicians around the clock. And we are going to organize singers in bands of 12 around the clock. And instead of the tabernacle of David having walls, he said, we're not going to need the walls anymore because this is going to be a place that men women boys and girls can all enter in and experience the glory of God I come to preach to somebody today that when we understand what we have access to oh give thanks it's not a command but an admonition it's an encouragement because those who realize what God has done for them don't need to be commanded to worship it is a command but we don't have to look at it as a command we can look at it as if it is encouragement why don't you lift your voice and make known what God has done for you we read in more detail what David does when the ark is set into place we see his response we see how he leads his people and we see that in the first verses of chapter 16 verse 1 so they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent David had pitched a tent for the ark he had prepared a place I don't know about you but I want to make sure that I've prepared a place for the glory of God to dwell. I want to make sure that there's a place in my life where the glory of God can rest where he can settle in and spend time with me and I can spend time in his presence. The Bible tells us in verse 1 that they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. You know, this wasn't just an occasion for a select group this was not just an occasion where you had to have a VIP ticket. You had to have uh, the triple priced backstage pass. If you're gonna, you're not just getting in the presence of 
of David, but you're going to be in the presence of God. In today's modern socioeconomic world, then they would charge you so much just to attend the event, just to sit on the sidelines or perhaps to be in some sort of box office uh, to, to view the happenings and and we're not getting into that tonight but you can research and see how much professional football tickets are and and college football tickets are and how much people invest in in worship of those idols uh, but David said you know what this isn't going to be an event like that but uh, you don't have to just sit on the sidelines either uh, in fact, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to give an offering to you. There's going to be uh, there's going to be meat and drink that's given to you. There's going to be flagons of wine, and there's going to be meat. There's going to be bread that's given out because this is a party, and there's plenty to go around. And so you don't have to just sit on the sidelines, but when you come, you can step onto the field of worship. And David danced before the Lord, and David danced before his people. And it wasn't just for the hierarchy of the Israelite nations. It wasn't just for the upper crust. It wasn't just for those that had it all together. But the Bible tells us that when his wife, the daughter of Saul, looked down, she said, you danced yourself silly in front of the handmaids of this nation. Ah, how glorious was the king of Israel today. So that lets us know that David danced not just in front of those who had positions in society, but there were servants there who were worshiping God in the street with their earthly king in the presence of their heavenly king. I come to tell us tonight, we got a great big reason to thank him. wasn't limited to just the male gender there were men and women there from all rungs of the social economic ladder the Bible tells us in verse 2 that they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings they offered burnt offerings to atone for their sin to atone for the times when the ark was out of their presence and they were out of the presence of the ark and so the traditional worship the traditional sacrifice had not been able to be made because there was no ark for the priest to take the blood and apply it to the mercy seat. And so David said, when this ark gets back, you better have some cattle ready because we're going to make sure that we're right in the eyes of God. We're going to make sure that we spend ample time getting things in line with God. If we're really going to experience the glory of God, Israel, if we're really going to experience everything that God has for us, we first must make sure that we are in line with God. But it was not a, uh, an occasion of uh, solemnity in the fact that, that they were down and out, but it was still a celebration. Even when they were getting right with God, it was still a party. Let me just tell it to you like this. And when the preaching gets hot and heavy, it's still a party. When things get a little uncomfortable, when our, when our toes are being stepped on and, and we've got to get things in line, that's not a time to hang your head. That's a time to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to repent with godly sorrow, but I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to give you thanks for forgiving my sins. We're going to party about what you've done in our lives. So there were burnt offerings and then there were peace offerings. They made atonement for sin, but then they also gave peace 
peace offerings to reconcile themselves back to God. And the aroma was the mixed aroma of repentance, of atonement and reconciliation. It was a sweet aroma of people returning to the presence of God. It was the sweet aroma of the symbol of God's presence being reunited with his people. I want to preach to us tonight that we've got to make room for the presence of God to dwell. we got to make room to give thanks for all that he's done. We don't need to shy away from times of repentance. And we don't need to shy away from times of reconciliation where we eat at the table that's been prepared for us. Even in the presence of our enemies, when our past is looking on, we say, I'm going to worship God anyhow. I'm going to give God thanks anyhow. When the accuser of the brethren is blabbing at his mouth, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise God. When he's bringing my past up into my face, I'm going to praise God. Because in the smoke of the atonement is also mingled the smoke of reconciliation. David said we're going to make an atonement. We're going to be reconciled and we're going to enjoy the peace of God's presence. Verse 7 begins David's song of thanksgiving. On that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Verse 8 is when the psalm begins. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. The psalm continues all the way to verse 36, but for the sake of time tonight, it involves words such as give thanks, sing unto him, talk of his wondrous works, glory in his name. Let your heart rejoice. Seek the Lord, seek his strength, seek his face. Desire to spend some time with him. Remember his works, be mindful of his ways, be mindful of his words, sing and declare, give him praise. And that brings us to verse 34. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And say ye, save us, O God, of our salvation, and gather us together, and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thanks to thy holy name, and glory in thy praise. David understood, I've had some good days, and I've had some bad days but I'm standing here in the presence of God and that's enough for me to give him praise I should have been lost but I'm still alive I should have been dead I should have been down and out but I'm still here because God kept me because God saved me because God held me I want to encourage someone tonight Sing unto the Lord. David's song of thanksgiving in 1 Chronicles 16 parallels other other passages, Psalm 105. But before we get to Psalm 105, it's paralleled in Psalm 96. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord, all the earth. I don't have to sing the song that I used to sing. The joke has been made. You've heard it before. You've heard it from me before. That if you play a country song backwards, you get everything back. They say the next generation of country songs is going to involve electric trucks that self-drive. And so now, the poor man used to have his truck, but 
Now, Brother Jason, it's just driven away and it's left him too. I don't have to sing those old songs. I don't have to sing the old cry in my beard. I don't have to sing of the despair and the destruction and, and the waste. And, and David doesn't have to sing about living in a cave of a doolum and the enemy breathing down the back of his neck. But he said, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. You've got a testimony. You're not singing the same song that you used to sing. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. I'm thankful tonight to know that we're not serving some second rate self-occupier. We're serving the God of all glory. Great is his faithfulness, the creative genius, the master designer, the creator of heaven and earth, who spoke the worlds into existence, and the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Let's do that right now. Give thanks unto the Lord. Psalm 105, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Has anybody experienced the wondrous works of God? Has anybody experienced doors open that no man could open? Has anybody experienced a move of God that could not be explained any other way except look what the Lord has done? One of the most popular phrases in the book of Psalm is found again in Psalm 106 and verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. There's no limit to his mercy. It's new every morning. And every day when you and I wake up, it's another opportunity to live for God in a sin-sick world to give glory to God to say I'm rising above who I used to be verse 47 of Psalm 106 save us O Lord our God and gather us from among the heathen some of us might be saying that on Thanksgiving day when our family comes over God save us from the heathens Vultures swooping in, devouring the food. God, save us, gather us so we can give thanks. I mean, God, the word says you're a jealous God, and you're not going to give your glory to anybody else. So why don't you just go ahead and give me another opportunity to testify. To give thanks unto thy holy name. To triumph in your praise. I just want to let somebody know every time you come to church and you dance and you shout and you worship and you praise God, you're giving glory to his name. And you are triumphing in his name. 
When we give thanks, we're shaking off the grip of the things that would try to grab hold and pull us down. Let me tell you something that's really cool about it. You don't even have to tell those trials and tests and enemies. Hey, guess what? I beat you again. What if, what if even in that little, hey, guess what, this, you're, you're given that enemy, even though you're winning, you're giving that enemy some, some bragging rights. Oh man, I almost had him that time. I'm just going to try him again. I'm going to try him again. There was an old song that we sang when, when I was a kid and there's, they probably, there's probably still people that sing it. And, uh, I don't remember the whole, the whole song, but it was, uh, you've heard me say this before, so just give thanks unto God anyway uh, I command you Satan in the name of the Lord to pack up your weapons and flee now brother Chris when I go on vacation and I got a suitcase I, I pack my suitcase at the house load it in my truck and drive or fly to wherever I'm going and when I get to where I'm going I pull it out of the car and I unpack it and I use what's in that suitcase and then I pack it back up, put it back in the car, put it back on the airplane, take it back home and I unpack it so I can use it again. And then the next trip, I pack it back up in a suitcase <laughs> and I go on my little merry way and I get to where I'm going and I unpack it use it pack it back up take it back home and it's it's a cycle yeah, yeah. that's right now that's all right when you're going on vacation yeah sometimes you go on vacation you're like you know what we ain't packing nothing we're just going to buy new <laughs> i hope you're that blessed man that's going to be fun one of these days <laughs> we're just going to go shopping when we get there yeah. huh? yeah. on that who we on Pharaoh? But but here here's the problem that I had with that song. Even as a kid, it just didn't sit right with me, Brother Pinkerton, because because I understood that Satan's putting all that stuff back in that suitcase. He may not be here, but he's going to go somewhere else and use that same old mess. And then the next time he shows up, he's going to have the same tools. He's going to have the same weapons. So let me just tell you, you don't have to give him any glory. You don't even have to recognize him. You just worship God. You just praise God. And you're going to triumph in God's name. And the enemy's going to eat your dust, baby. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, that's it. You got the picture. Let's praise it for a moment. Oh, we're celebrating Thanksgiving tonight. We've got a reason to thank him. We've got a reason to praise him. He's been good. He's been good. He's been better than good to me. Thirty minutes. You got five more. Come on, three. Psalm one hundred, verse one. Make a joyful noise. Do you notice? This just hit me. Do you notice when we start preaching about praise? It's a whole lot easier to get excited. It's easier to get excited when we're preaching about praise than when we're talking about how much we've been in the mully grubs. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to eat some worms. Long, slim, slimy ones. Short, fat, juicy ones. Itsy, bitsy, fuzzy, wuzzy worms. It's hard to shout about a song like that. That makes me want to run and get sick. But when I start saying, you know what? Guess what? God bless me today. 
how did he do that? I got breath in my body. I got food in my belly. I got lights in my house. Gas in my vehicle. I'm at church with my family. This is my first Thanksgiving celebration this week. And where it's easy to praise God. It's a lot easier to praise God when we're preaching about praise. Than it is when we focus. So magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye land. Serve the Lord. With a sour attitude. No. Serve the Lord with murmuring and complaining. Oh, come on. Serve the Lord with hardship. Come on. That's not what it says. That's right. That's right. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. Well, there's some things going on uh, that, 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 that have distracted me and taken my attention. Uh, oh, but if I serve the Lord with gladness, uh, I start magnifying uh, the goodness of God and start minimizing the trials of this life. Uh, I want to encourage somebody today. Uh, I'm not getting on to anybody. Uh, I'm trying to help you. If you'll start magnifying God, uh, the trials will seem more distant. They might still be there. But you're not focused on it. You're focused on the goodness of God. And he inhabits the praises of his people. When I give him thanks, he draws near. When he draws near in my weakness, then am I strong. His strength is made perfect in my infirmity. So serve the Lord with gladness. I understand sometimes that's hard to do, but if you'll open your Bible and start reading from the book of Psalms. First one my eyes got to. Psalm 134, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands at the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth, bless thee out of Zion. That was one psalm. That was an entire chapter in three verses. He said, bless him even in the middle of the night, even when darkness is closing in. If you'll make room in the middle of the night to give him praise, the night seems a whole lot shorter than the evening and the morning for the first day he said as I can work when it's night but I need you to understand I divide the light from the darkness but I operate in the light as well as in the darkness serve the Lord with gladness come before his presence with singing know ye that the Lord he is God it is he that hath made us you were made in his image you were made in his likeness and the fact that there is breath in your body means that he created you for a purpose there's a place for you in the kingdom of God I don't care how broken it looks right now there's a place for you in the kingdom of God I know it feels overwhelming at times but there's a place for you in the kingdom of God know ye that the Lord he is God it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves you don't have to worry about having all the answers you didn't make you God made you we are his people and the sheep of his pasture his psalmist starts giving instruction on how to worship God he said hey I got some knowledge here about that worship comes from the heart that worship ought to be expressive that worship involves a person's emotions that worship involves the will of the individual worship is a proclamation that people should come before the presence of God with singing that's why we don't have quiet church singing and joyful music wasn't found in the tabernacle of Moses but it was a concept introduced by David pointing forward 
to Pentecost. Pentecost wasn't quiet. It wasn't quiet. So, well, this church or that church, that, they have quiet church. They need to experience Pentecost. And if they'll experience Pentecost, they'll understand that, that intellect is not going to cut it. I'm all for schooling, but schooling's not going to get me to heaven. The Spirit is going to get me to heaven. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Verse 4. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. How do you think Job made it? I'm going to tell you why Job made it. Because Job was dealing with his present. Scraping his skin. Scraping the boils that he didn't deserve. Sitting in the ashes of grief that he had not expected nor desired. He had gone from being a, a uh, contextual millionaire. Millionaire in his day. Wealthy. One of, probably one of the wealthiest men alive in that day. To becoming flat broke. All of his herds are gone. His cattle is gone. All of his crops are gone. And at the, up to that point saying, okay, I, I'm not happy about this, but I can deal with that. And here comes that one servant. Well, I was, whoa, 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 whoa. You were with my kids. Yes, sir. They were in the house having a great time, partying it up. And there came a wind. It blew the house down. And the servants that were there are dead. And your children are all dead. And only I have escaped. And the only reason that servant escaped was to be the bearer. Of the news. Job's got friends who are pretty poor counselors. Well, Job, you surely did this and you surely did that and this and that. And he's got a wife that's saying, Job, it's not worth it anymore. Just give up. Curse God and die. I love you too. Job's sitting there with his friends and he's literally sitting in the brokenness of his former life. In the darkest nights. Scraping his flesh. Naked. Came I from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Job, what do you have to be thankful for? I know his name. Thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. The psalmist understands what Job had a grip on. That life is going to be full of ups and downs. There's going to be situations within my control and outside of my control. But there is one constant upon which I can lean. The name of the Lord is a strong 
power. The righteous run into it and are safe. Blessed. Job, you're sitting there naked, scraping your flesh of boils and infection blessed job you're in grief and turmoil blessed job you got miserable friends who are miserable counselors blessed job your wife has lost her mind blessed job you lost everything oh give thanks he's still worthy he's still worthy he's still worthy stand with me said five minutes and took twelve my apologies enter into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise the kingdom of God and, and running this race this race of the Christian life is not running on a treadmill where the speed adjusts and the incline adjusts and and, and D adjusts, but you're never going anywhere. Uh, I, it, it, there's there's uh, an intended purpose. And the intended purpose is to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. We want to spend eternity in heaven. And we don't want to be selfish with the gospel. We want... We want to take as many people with us as possible. So it's not enough for us to just come to church, but we want to make progress. We've got to have patterns, but we also have got to have progress. And, and the patterns ought to lead us to progress. And so when we come into church, our, our goal is not, I'm going to leave here the same way that I came in. I'm here on a Tuesday night because pastor moved midweek service. That's, we're, we're here for more than that. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you that is here tonight. I mean that. Thank you for being faithful to God, even when the schedule is odd. Uh, but we're not here to just come in and go through motions and, and just to see what happens. But we are here tonight to make progress and so the psalmist of 105 tells us it's not enough for us to just come to church but we have to come to church with a mindset of progress and the, the mindset of moving forward is attached to the mindset of thanks the psalmist is saying hey we've got to have an attitude and emotion of thanks because the very fact that we are here tonight, the fact that we are able to be here is reason enough to give him thanks. And so when we come into the house of God, we're coming in to give him thanks. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. His mercy endureth forever. We enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We move from the everyday humdrum of cyclical life. Just going through the motions. Getting up, going to work. Working all day, watching the time clock until we can get off work. And maybe we're fortunate enough to have a flexible schedule so we don't see the same thing every day, day in, day out. Uh, I, it's not everybody's this way, but I would lose my mind. My my ADD kicks in. I just can't can't do it. I can't sit in one spot and just. So I'm thankful for that. We're uh, we're not designed to to just be time card punchers in the kingdom. We're not designed to just come in. And, we're here. And it's, it's easy to, to get in the, the, the cycle of life because our, our human world operates in cycles, natural cycles, seven days in a week, 24 hours in a day, every single day. There's not one day that has more or less hours. It's 24 hours a day, 60 minutes per hour. 
365 days per year. Those are all cycles. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the cycles of life to dull our ability to press into the kingdom. And so the psalmist says, hey, I don't want to just come to church, but I want to come and I want you to come to church with a mindset of thanks because God loves hearing expressions of praise and thanksgiving. He loves to hear us acknowledge who he is in our lives and what he's done in our lives. And what that does is it it moves us away from the nine to five or the seven to three or the six to four or the 11 to three or whatever it is, the 11 to seven. It, It moves us away from the first or the second or the third shift patterns. And it moves us away from the everyday numbness of life and enter into his gates with thanksgiving we're moving closer to his throne room and into his courts with praise the psalmist is saying i want you to engage in thanksgiving and not just celebrate thanksgiving That wasn't a wow statement, but we we want to engage in thanksgiving uh, because thanksgiving and praise walk the child of God through the gates and into the courts where there is blessing that awaits, where sin is remitted, where grace and mercy are bestowed and where the will of God is discovered. That's the power when we begin by giving God Giving him thanks for what he's done. Gets my eyes off of all the wrong. Gets my eyes. uh, There's so much that we could be focused on in the news. And there's so much that we could be focused on that would just swallow us up. It would swallow us. It would swamp our joy. It would rob us of the joy of salvation. But I want to give him thanks. Let's give him thanks right now. Let's clap our hands. We asked a couple of people to testify tonight. Sister Kim, I want you to give God some thanks. Thank you for volunteering. While I'm asking. I'm just thankful I have God, a great God. Amen. I prayed about this. It's like, what am I going to say? He says, I'll give you the words when you get there. I thought, okay. I mean, I could start back when, you know, we were way when we first moved to Huntington. This church was only six months old. And we didn't know we were going to go, you know. And it was only like about four blocks from our home. I mean, talk about God being good. Talk about him opening doors. And, you know, uh, I weren't here a month, and I got the Holy Ghost when I was 11 years old. I'm thankful for it, you know. I'm thankful for it. God is so awesome. And um, as you was preaching on thankfulness and being thankful, well, I could go down the list of it. I can't take all night, but I could. But one thing the Lord reminded me of, and it's the hardest thing I've ever had to do, is um, I remember hearing the, the scripture about you praise God no matter what it is. You thank God no matter what. And I'm like, excuse me? God, can we discuss this, you know? It's like, really? I mean, when you're going through a divorce or you're going through problems with your children as they're growing up as a single parent and you're going through financial problems, trying to make ends meet, And you're going through spiritual problems just as yourself, trying to keep yourself in line. And uh, I learned to say, thank you, Jesus, anyhow. And many times I have said, thank you, Jesus. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I don't want it. But you got a reason, so I'm thanking you, Jesus. 
Now, many of you know, and some of you don't, but I have a gay son, and uh, he's in a state hospital, has been for years. But this, I didn't plan on saying this, but you know what God does, so. He calls one day to talk, and he says, Mom, guess what? And I said, well, boy, honey. He says, I'm engaged. And I just sat there. And I, I knew he was talking about being engaged to some guy. He goes, what do you think? Don't ask me, or you're going to hear it, because I'm not going to lie to you. I said, well, you're going to hell. Mom. I said, well, you are. You're not supposed to do that. Don't you want me to be happy? I said, no. Your salvation is more important to me than your happiness. And of course, he got mad and hung up. Okay, big deal. I don't care. But that was one of those times that I got off that phone. And I screamed to the top of my lungs. I was so upset. And the Lord says, you know what to do. And I said, I can't do it. And he says, oh, but you can. So I sat there and I cried. I felt my boohoo time. And then I sat there and I said, okay. Thank you, Jesus, my son's gay. Thank you, he's engaged to a man. And thank you, we're going through this problem. Is he still gay? Yeah. Is he still going to be saved? Yes, because God had promised to deliver us years thank ago. You, and it's going to be done in Jesus' name. I may, I may die tonight, and I might not see my three sons in this building, but they will be saved, and they will be delivered. I have that promise, and I have that. So when your God tells you to be thankful for everything, it's not easy, but be thankful because he will take care of you no matter what. And I'm thankful for his mercy because many times I don't deserve that. But he has given it to me, and I appreciate my God. He's so good. Sister Angie, thank you for being asked. <laughs> and Pastor said a scripture many, many times tonight, but on Psalms 118.1, it says, uh, just as you said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercies endureth forever. And I have to say, God's mercy has been on my life, like, since day one. Um, so many people know about my story. Some people don't. But God quickened my heart last week. Uh, I believe we were at prayer, and I looked up, and Zeke over here is holding Zane, talking to Hadessa. And God quickened my spirit. Zeke, you're, I probably said Isaiah. Zeke, you're 17, right? So when I was 17, both of our parents had died. I had a child, six. She was six months old. I was in high school, full-time job, and I got custody of Dawn. She was eight years old, right in between Hadessa and Selah. And last week when I looked at him and seen Zeke standing there, I was like, look what God has done in our life. And I sat and I just started crying. And I looked up and Dawn and Chris are knelt at this altar together. And Chase is standing here. So I just know that God's mercies are forever. And even when I was unlovable or I was totally off the path, God's hand was upon our life. And I'm so thankful for, really, I'm thankful for everything that we've endured in life. Because now I'm able to go out and I'm able to help kids. I'm able to understand what they're going through what they're talking about, I get it. And I hope through God that these kids know that somebody loves them. And no matter what they're going through, even what we were going through when we felt we had nothing, God still protected us. Why don't we lift our voices and give God thanks tonight. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. God, oh, come on, let's do that tonight. This is our altar call. Let's lift our voices and give him thanks. Why don't you think about the times that he's been evident in your life and the times that if it hadn't been for him, that you wouldn't have made it. I know that those experiences are across this building tonight. Well, let's lift our voices and give him thanks. Oh, let's give him thanks. 
Give thanks unto the Lord. God, I thank you for your goodness endureth forever. Oh, your goodness endureth forever. Oh, your anger lasts but just a moment. But your mercy endureth forever. Your mercy endureth forever. Oh, that's it. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. 